it's your girl Gabrielle from A Step Ahead Tutoring Services. So today we are at episode number 12, episode number 12. And our hot topic for today is life as a parent. So I know we talked about that a couple of times before, but we like to repeat topics because it is more than one way to see an issue or is more than one way to view a topic. So we're all about diversity here at A Step Ahead Tutoring Services. So we're definitely all about di diverse perspectives. So our topic today is life as a parent, we're bringing it back. And my guest is going to help me discuss that. And her name is Brenda Farmer. So Brenda Farmer is going to be with me today. And let me tell you a little bit about her. So Brenda Farmer was born and raised in Southeast Queens. She was raised in a two-parent household. Her mom stayed home until they were older and her dad worked as a truck driver for a lumber yard. She had a great childhood growing up in Queens, riding her bike, sitting outside, playing with her friends. She also has four siblings. So she's one of four siblings, actually, two brothers and a sister, and she's the middle child. So she got bust in the 70s when schools were becoming interracial. She went to public and middle school in Flushing. She graduated from Jamaica High School. She has her bachelor's from Queens College in elementary education with a minor in urban studies. A sing she's a single mother. She has four beautiful children, three boys and a girl. Her oldest is a detective and he's 30 years old. And her other son is 27. He's an assistant coach at Adelphi University for the women's basketball team. And he's also an assistant coach for the Queens Defenders and an assistant coach at Forest Hills where he graduated from and played on the varsity team. Her other two are twins. So the two girls are twins. Um, wait, no, she has a fraternal twins. She has a boy and a girl and they yes. are tw 20 years old. And they also work and plan on attending college. Her children are her pride and joy. I can definitely tell. And she's been an educator. She herself, Brenda, has been an educator with the Department of Education of 23 years. She works in a self-contained special education classroom with K-1 and sometimes the second grade. So that is, <clears throat> excuse me, that is a mouthful there. <laughs> but welcome to the show, Brenda. <laughs> welcome to the show, Brenda. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm fine. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. So when we, we talked in the preliminary interview, you have a very interesting perspective on life as a parent. If you wouldn't mind sharing sharing that today with us. Um, well, I have, like you said, I do have four children. Um, I, must, I was a single mother. I still am, but they're older now. So it's not too much mothering to do when they get older, but... I think it's very hard being a single mother raising um, four children at least by yourself. And when you raise kids by yourself, you have to find things for them to do and keep them busy so they don't get in trouble. So I found like I had three boys, so all the boys played basketball and then my daughter danced. So there always was something for them to do. 
um, games during the week or on the weekend, dancing school. And that helped me keep them, you know, at least in line and out of trouble and, you know, helping them focus and learn how to make friends and be with other people. And um, also, I think um, I was raised by a strict Southern family. So there's some values and morals that you want to always teach your kids. And um, I think I instilled all of that in them because they come back now and be like, mom, glad you taught me this and taught me that. Like um, when my son first went away to college, I told him, I said, when you go away, you're going to know how to cook, clean, you know, do your laundry, everything. And then he called me one day like, um, mom, um, kids don't even know how to do laundry. I said, that's a shame. I said, see, because, you know, as parents, we tend to do so much for our kids and they don't become independent, but you have to teach them. Take them to the large man with you. Take them to, you know, different places so they can see how to do different things. Let them sweep the floor. Let them do, you know, you can't do everything for them because they have to learn eventually to do it on their own and be alone to do these things. So you pretty much, you took the values that you learned and you passed it on to them. Yes. So tell me, what what's it like raising four children by yourself? It's it sounds like a lot for one person. You know, I would imagine one kid by yourself or maybe two, but four. Yeah, with the grace of God. And of course I have my mom and dad, you know, they were always helpful. My mom babysitted and my dad dropped her off to babysit with the twins. And, you know, there's always after school and, you know, I'm always there, so to try to do whatever and help out if it's after school programs you have to get your child into. Because I didn't really have a babysitter when I had the twins, like a real, somebody that I could depend on. So I used to take the twins with me to college when I went to um, night school, I went to Queens College for my degree and I used to take them with me and I used to sit in the classroom when they were so quiet. People be like, why your kids are so quiet? But you know, if you raise them right, they, you know, they won't embarrass you and they'll be, you know, when you tell them to do something, they'll do it. You know, so they used to sit in the back with their game or their coloring book or whatever they liked. And while I was in class, of course I had to ask the professor, can I bring them? Which I was scared to do, but I wanted to um, finish my degree, so. And he was like, sure, fine. And I used to bring them with me to class and they were so good. I was like, I felt good about that. Like, cause you know, sometimes kids could be embarrassing when you're out in the street, if you're not really, you know, doing what you're supposed to do as a disciplinarian to discipline them. So, I mean, you must've done something right for your professor to let your kids come in, come in during your class. Cause you know, it's, it's happened. I've, uh, when I went to college, there was a couple parents who brought their kids. So you must have really good kids <laughs> for your professor to let them in like that. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, the whole class was shocked. Like, and there's two of them. So uh, I felt good, you know, during the times I did bring them. I was like, okay, that shows that, you know, even though they're little, they could sit down and listen and be quiet and, you know. So this was just the, the fraternal twins, the boy and the girl? Yes, the, the, the boy and the girl, the last two. Ah, all right. So I, it sounds like it, it takes a village. You said you had your mother and your father to help you. Yes. And also I used to send the boys, like, like, like I said, with the basketball, I used to send them away to camp in the summer just to experience different things. Like, you know, the job had like scholarships you, that you could pay that pay for you to send your kids away. They pay a portion, you pay a portion. 
So I got like scholarships from the camp. There's so many things you can get that's out there for your kids to do if you, you know, if you can't afford it. There's definitely scholarships and things for you. And all some of them is just like writing a letter. All you have to do is write a letter, say why you want to go to camp. So I had them write their letter and that was simple. They give you the scholarship because they feel like the kid wants to experience different things. So that was a lot of um in the summertime. And then they have bikes and scooters and you know, just stuff to keep them busy and be kids, you know, because it's the time to be a kid. You got to make sure they have fun and do different things and, you know. Right. So it wasn't like you raised them to be little adults. You allowed them to act to be children. Yes. All of them. But, you know, um, most like I told you before, my kids went to um, school in like a predominantly Caucasian area. So there was you know, things that we did experience living in those areas, you know, and being the only African-American in the school or in the neighborhood or in the apartment building. So, you know, people look at you and, you know, judge you, but, you know, we made it through. Can you talk about that a little bit more? What was that like? Um, It's hardening, you know, when little kids are calling your kids the N-word, you know, and, you know, as a mother, it hurts you. And it also makes your child feel like, you know, if they're dark skin or light skin or, you know, that plays a part when people are calling you that and it makes you feel like uncomfortable, even though you're supposed to be there, you have a right to be there. And my older son, he's darker, of course, and he was the one that got bullied the most out of the two of the kids because by the time the twins got to the school, everything was more integrated at the school because they all did go to the same school. So, um, Yes, I had to knock on a lot of doors and figure out why your child is bothering minds. And, you know, um, and it made my son, I see, I think it made him feel like he was, he didn't appreciate his dark skin at one point, going to school and being called names and, you know, being dark. But as he got older, you know, like I told him, he'll appreciate it when you get older, you know. But it did hurt for them to go through that experience. And then it's always a fight or they're calling me like, I was like, but you can't do that. So, of course, eventually kids are going to retaliate if somebody keeps bullying them, bothering them, but, you know, we made it through. So, what um, I imagine the conversations, you know, you had with your eldest son about, about racism and prejudice and what, what was that like? Well, it made him feel like he was out of place being, because my oldest kid, he's the detective, and of course he's very smart and intelligent. So he was in like SP classes and talented and gifted. And he felt like he didn't belong there because he had, um, they asked, um, selected him for a program to go to. And it was like AP classes. And he used to come home like, ma, I'm the only black kid in the class. Like, I feel out of place. Like, I don't wanna go. I said, no, you earned it. You're going to be there. You're going. Ain't no, you don't want to be there. I said, how many other people would want to be there that was your color? So you're going to sit there and you, you know, you deserved it and you earned it. Why shouldn't you want to be there? It's your right to be there. If you're smart and intelligent, just like everybody else, you have a right to be there too, whether you're black, white, whatever color you are, you know, so... Race you, was always an issue being, you know, race was always an issue with my kids being in the area like Vigo Park where I raised them at. So, but I'm from, you know, uh, predominantly African-American uh, 
you know, neighborhood where we grew up at, which is where I live now, so. You're not in Regal Park anymore? No. But my old, my other son lives over there now, but I don't. Mm. So basically, well, so when you told your son, like, it's, you earned that opportunity, you're going to go, you wanted him to stand up for himself. Yes. And not, and not be afraid to, to, to take an opportunity that he, that he worked so hard to get. Yes. He earned the right to be there. So why shouldn't you want to be there? And I know it was because he looked around and didn't see anybody that looked like him. So, you know, and you, you could be made to feel like that. Like, why am I here? I'm not, you know, see nobody look like me, but he had to sit it out. And he thanked me for it now, you know. <laughs> he does? What, what does he say? What does he tell you? Well, they said um, I was a good mom. I am, not was, but I'm a, I was a good mom. And, you know, it's hard to, play, to raise four Black children without nobody getting in trouble, without nothing going on. And like I said, by the grace of God, nobody got in trouble. Nobody got arrested. No, you know, no bad stuff. Like maybe a fight or two or in trouble in school like kids normally do. But, you know, they'd be like, we had a good childhood, Ma. It's like my son came yesterday. He um, was telling me, he was like, we had a good childhood, but he said that he was raised for, a, a, um, he was raised in a time period that don't exist anymore. Like when we, for the 90s kids, they feel like this time period that they were raising, they don't, it doesn't exist because they was outside playing, riding their bikes. You know, they play video games, but not as intense, you know, like with these computers and all the stuff that parents just have their kids sitting on. Because sometimes that, that'd be the babysitter, the computer, the phone, you know, people don't spend time like with their kids anymore. At least with the COVID, it was like a wake up call for people to really get to know their kids and their families. Because when I, like I said, I work in the school and parents don't believe the stuff you be telling them that their kids do. And you may be like, well, they don't do it at home. And I'd be like, okay. So I said, all of this is an awakening for people to see how their children really are. Because you got to spend more time with them. If you at school for six and a half hours and then I just come home and I got to cook, I got to, you know, give you a bath. It's not that much interaction with the parent and the kid. So you don't really know what he's doing all day for six hours. And then it, he's good at home. So you're going to be like, well, he don't do it. You know, but this was a good awakening for everybody. To get to know their families, their kids, their husband, their wives, you know? <laughs> right, because everyone was quarantined together, spent more time at home, that they that they didn't have a yes. choice but to get to know them. Yes. So did that did that affect you and your family? With were you guys quarantined together, forced to hunker down? Yeah. Well, that's the side live with the twins, so we were all together, yes. But my other two sons don't live with me, so they were at their, you know, apartments and houses, and we were here. And well, I'm, I'm okay. close knit with my kids anyway. Maybe sometimes I think I'm too close, but you know, <laughs> too too close. How? I you breaking up out of here? Sorry, you said you're you. You too close to your kids. I feel like that sometimes. 
with my daughter. I'm real close to my daughter, especially. She's the only girl, so. And I don't want her to feel like, you know, I'm not here or she she can't talk to me or, you know, I always want to be here for all my kids, but my daughter has a special place because she's the only girl I have, so. Is that that female bonding? Yes, I love my daughter. <laughs> and the twin thinks I love her more than him, but that's not the case, though. It's just different with girls. Mm, okay. So but they're still in competition at 20 to twins. They're still in competition. For my love, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> competition. T- tell me, tell me about that. Well, he thinks that I do more for her than him. And I'm like, it is no comparison between the two of you. You're a boy, she's a girl. So I don't see what why he feels that way though. But, you know, I guess when you're a girl, you like, like they say, when you go shopping for a girl, like you could get a bunch of cheap, not cheap or inexpensive stuff for girls. Okay. So if you see something here and there, you know, you pick it up for your daughter or whatever. But for boys, you got to buy the shirt, the shoes, or just the underwear t-shirt. It's not much to buy them, but it's not going to be like you could get so much stuff for a girl that you can't get for a boy. So that could be one of the reasons why. That it's, it's easier but, to, um, to shop it's, for it's a girl. It's sibling rivalry. <laughs> well, and then I'm shopping for myself, so I'm a girl too. So if I see something that she's going to like, I'm going to pick it up, if it, especially if it's on sale. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Well, what about the two older ones? Are they, are, are they in competition? Well, um, I don't know. I don't think so. Because my oldest son doesn't live here, so we don't we get to see him like maybe once or twice um, during the year. And then my other son does live here. So the oldest one is kind of distant from us being that because he doesn't live here. But the other three of us are well, my other three kids and me, we closer more we're more closer knit than the older kid. And he's been he moved out like when he was 18. So he's been in um he lives in Maryland. So he's been gone for few years now for a while so he comes and visit or either we go down there for holidays or you know christmas or thanksgiving usually thanksgiving because that's when around the time my birthday is and then we just all go to see him as a family like last year we went as a family it was my birthday and then he got engaged so we all just went so it was that was the best thanksgiving ever last year we had so much fun so he got engaged to his girlfriend for 10 years i was like about time like <laughs> so uh so your family sounds pretty close you guys keep in touch it's not like your oldest son is disappears for three months and you know at least you guys keep in keep in contact with each other yes you have to family is all you have basically you can have a million friends but you got to try to stay close to your family at least you know Mm. and that's that's the value that you instill in them yes my, my kids don't have too many friends so they kind of stay to themselves they always been homebodies anyway they go play basketball they go do what they gotta do and then they come back home so and my daughter she never spent that in nobody's house none of that i don't <laughs> i don't let my, allow her i didn't allow her to spend a night at nobody's house 
Do you find yourself more overprotective over the girl than the other three boys? Yes. I do, because, and I never told the boys why. I never let her spend that at nobody's house. And then when they when the boy twin got older, he was like, Ma, why? And I told him why. He was like, oh, that's why. I said, yeah. Not that I had to explain myself because you were a kid, but, you know, they understand when they get older and they ask you things, why you did this and why was this like that? And it's for your own good, you know? Because mm. you, don't, you don't know who's at these other people's houses and how I always want to know who's there, who lives in the house, how many men, you know, because certain things go on and, you know, you think you letting your daughter go spend a night with her friends, but there's other people in the house that you might not know or you might not know that's in the house, so. I need to meet the parents. If my kid is staying at your house, I need to meet the mother, the father, and whoever else I need to know. Like, because, you know, it's, things happen. Mm. Do you have people, do you bring people to your house? Oh, my daughter's friends, they stay, but sometimes the boys, but I'll let the boys spend another at the boys, you know, their friend's house, but not my daughter. Hmm. Well, she's 20 now, right? In college? well she was in college but COVID you know so she's regrouping to get back in college she's going to be a teacher like oh. her mom <laughs> oh awesome awesome <laughs> does she go to college locally or far away or before COVID? she was going to Queensborough before the, the pandemic but and that's probably where she has to go back to because she has to go there first to transfer to Queens so okay so just i want to bring it back to the the racism part so you said your oldest got the worst of it what what about the other three well the two older boys definitely not so much the twins because the area was more mixed by the time they got to the school so, but my son was, you know, like I said, he's 30 now, so. And he was the only African-American in the whole sixth grade class that graduated from there, so. And I still have that picture. It was him and maybe two other, um, Afri maybe two to three other African-American girls, but everybody else was of a different nationality, so. So. Who would think these kids know these things, you know, and I'm yeah. Uh -huh. You would think your kids would know these things. That what did you just say? Before? No, I said who would think other kids would know how to, you know, spew racism. I said who would think kids know how to spew racism in elementary school, but they do. That's true. I mean, they get it from their parents. They learn from their parents the racism. Yeah. Hmm. So what's your what's your take on on racial tolerance? Well, I don't and you mean in, in far as my job or just period? And just period. Well, I don't have no tolerance for racial um racism. But um with the pandemic, you saw who was racist. Uh, and with the Trump and all this other stuff, you saw people showed their true colors when all of Trump was in, pres in presidency and office. 
All the people that are racist show their true colors, but then they want to say, I'm not racist. But how could you support somebody that's spewing racism if you're not racist? You have to have something in common, some reason why you like the person or something that makes him interesting. Or So you can't tell me you're not racist if you support this guy that's always being racist. <laughs> and then that just makes me know how to deal with people better. I'd rather see your face and then not know, you know? Right, because they're showing their true colors. Exactly. I said, I told my coworker, I was like, the masks have come off. Now I know who's who. And you just play people accordingly, you know? Yeah. So the lessons that you, you taught your kids. So how do you know that, how do you know that they're doing what you taught them to do? Okay, so where we lived at was like on Queens Boulevard, right? So, you know, Queens Boulevard is busy. So I always tell them, don't cross. I don't want to catch up crossing Queens Boulevard. I said, if you must cross, go down in the train station and come up on the other side because you could get hit or whatever. And they used to do that too. So one day my son, my older kids, one of the older kids, he came home like, um, mom, my friends tried to get me to cross Queens Boulevard and I told them no, that I couldn't cross. He said, but I, I, I did, but I went down in the train station like you told me and came up on the other side. I said, okay. So I said, see, and then, you know, just when they go to other people's house, because they did have friends of different races and they used to go to the house and the parents went, oh, your kids are so well-mannered and respectful and they have manners. And because I always tell them like, when you go out, you represent me. When you go to people's house and I let you do different things, that's a reflection of me. So, you know, always present yourself as a, presentable person, you know? I said, they're gonna look at you because of your color, but when you open up your mouth and speak, they'll know that you have something, you're about something. So I think, you know, that's one of the things I did instill in them. Right, so it's not what you look like, it's what you bring to the table. Exactly. I said, you're gonna be prejudged because you're black already, but once you open up your mouth and start speaking, they'll know that you have some proof about yourself and, you know, and nobody just can't tell you anything. Mm hmm. Awesome. All right. So we are just coming to the end of our interview. So do you have any advice for any single parents, single moms, single dads listening right now? What, what, uh, what lessons do you want people to learn? Um, just always be there for your kids regardless. Talk to them especially when they're younger, because when you talk to them when they're younger, they're able to talk to you when they get older. But if you don't have that established um, communication while they're younger, before they get to the teenage stage, you're going to miss out on so much. They're not going to feel comfortable telling you anything. And especially if you want to yell and scream, you have to be able to talk and have a conversation with your kids. And then, you know, I feel that's what brings the bond better. Because some things I don't want to hear my kids talk to me now about, and I'll be like, wow, I did say be open and you can talk to me about anything. But <laughs> And also, um, there has to be rules. You have to have some type of rules. You can't let the children run all over the place. It has to be some type of structure. You know, you do this, that, da-da-da. Or and even if you have unruly kids, it has to be some type of plans. You know, you have to plan things out to get them to do what you want them to do. 
And discipline starts when they're little. When they start walking and running around, that's when you have to say no and stop. And, you know, those words have to, you know, make them think and look. They're like, okay. Because all my mother had to do was give me a look. And I know I better stop. The look meant stop. <laughs> and um, I don't know what else. Um, just try to be the best you could be. And God will help you through the rest. Because I never thought I would be with, you know, older kids and I'm still young. So I don't have any grandchildren yet. So, you know, I told them have a wife first, get married. And uh, so it's working out. But I want some grandkids though now. So I'm like, okay, speed it up. But, um, you know, um, I think that's it. That's all that comes to mind right now, at least. Oh, that's, I mean, and that's absolutely great advice. All right, Ms. Farmer, thank you for joining me today. And I understand you want to promote your, your son's business. Can you tell us about that? Yes, he um, trains for basketball to get better at basketball. He has a skills academy and um, it's on Instagram. He's um, he's assistant coach at Queens Defenders for Christ the King. And um, he's assistant coach at Forest Hills High School. And um, if you want to get better, you need to holler at him. It's um, T-O-W-I-U. The only way is up. Those are the initials for it. Skills Academy and Instagram. Awesome. And oh, oh, were you about to say something? No. Okay. And of course, all that information will be provided in the description. So, Miss, so that's it for Hot Topics. And I hope you guys enjoyed our video for today. Please check out our other clips on our YouTube channel and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us at Step Ahead Tutoring Services on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So please check those out. And please donate to our crowdfunding campaign. The funds go towards keeping our tutors employed and providing free workshops on educational topics. So please donate to our crowdfunding campaign on ifundwomen.com. That link it will, will also be provided to you in the description. So that's it for Hot Topics. Thank you for joining us. And please tune in for the next episode. Tuning in next time. Bye. Bye.